Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back, everyone. We are finishing the sixth myth of vulnerability that we have been digging into from Brene's Brown, Dare to Lead. If you have not heard episode 16, which is Make Space for Vulnerability, for, for vulnerability Part 3, stop, have my time, and go back to episode 16 because this is really a continuation of that episode. Yep. Honey? Yes, go ahead. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they might even want to go back to the beginning of the whole uh, Make Space for Vulnerability. But at the very least, you should probably listen to the last episode we just did because we're about to do uh, Myths 4, 5, and 6. So, you know, there really are no particular order. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you should kind of know what we're talking about. Or at least the conversation that we started. Yeah, because we're continuing it. All right, for those who have heard all the episodes, I mean, shout out to you who have heard all 16. Yeah, Thank whoever you. you are out there. <laughs> Actually, there's how many? 32 people that consistently download every episode? Yeah, we're, we're growing every week. Uh, it's well, gone up. Yeah, I just, I want to know who you are. I don't care about the growth of this podcast. I do. I, <laughs> all about the numbers. I want to win podcasting, I, people. I, I really want to know who you are. Some, I mean, half of you are from Staten Island. Hello. We're from Staten Island. Please text me because I have a feeling you know me. <laughs> so send us a, a message. And again, if this is your first time, you end up liking it, please go to iTunes. It, the ratings, what it allows is for the exposure of the conversation. So let's dive in, honey. Let's yeah, talk about the next three myths. Only leave a, a rating. I'm sorry. And only <laughs> leave a rating and review if you like the show. I mean, I guess assuming if someone's been listening to all of them, mm-hmm. that they like the show. But you never know. There could be someone out there. Oh, wow. Oh, and wow. it's not my phone. <laughs> what? I usually yell at my husband, yes, fully being transparent in here for not putting his phone on silent. Um, And I just forgot to put mine. You forgive me? Yeah. You know, I'm realizing my niece is a lot better at uh, being on the microphone than I am. Than both of us. Yeah. She's like on the spot speaker. She just like, and is like in it. Yeah. And if you heard the last episode, she did the ending. If you find her adorable, send us a message because we're going to invite her back. She is pretty adorable. <laughs> uh, she's definitely going to be taking over the podcast uh, for one of us soon. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. All right. Back to the myth. Sweetheart. Yes. What are the three ones you have for us today? 
So, uh, should I say the ones that we did already real quick? Yeah, as a recap. That yeah. sounds like a good idea. So, myth number one was vulnerability is weakness. And we, we talked about the culture of weakness versus the culture of vulnerability and how damaging that could be and how freeing it can be when you realize that, you know, it's not all about being, oh, poor me, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Uh, where I used to live, it's more of just about, you know, learning how to be create a culture of vulnerability. Myth number two, myth number two, I just got rid of that now. Myth number two. Wait, how was it? Myth number two. I can't nah. even do it. It just like slipped out. Yeah. It's like Frankie came out of me. All right. Myth number two is I don't do vulnerability, which is our irrational fear as Christians of being uncertain mm-hmm. about things, like feeling that we always need to know the answers yeah. and just approaching Christianity and life in general with just more humility. And like you said, being vulnerable with the scriptures. Being vulnerable That's with really the scriptures. Cool. That was my highlight for that one. Yeah, where it talks about in uh, 2 Corinthians, like if anyone preaches to you another gospel than the one that was already given and understanding that gospel is the good news, it's not necessarily everything you were ever taught about the Bible and how to read the Bible that you don't need necessarily hold on to that. Yeah, we are to battle. with Not battle, but... um. Yeah, I guess battle, I like battle. Yeah, battle is good yeah. with with the word absolutely. Cuz love is a battlefield. Sorry. All right. 3. <laughs> Myth number 3 is I can do it alone. Right? I don't need nobody mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. Um, you know, I don't need other Christians, I don't need the world, I don't need the church. Uh, kind of just understanding that um, that sometimes we have an overemphasis on our personal relationship with God. And we forget that, you know, this is kind of always meant to be as a part of a community mm-hmm. relating to God. Uh, the world, like feeling like we need to hate the world, we need to fear the world, uh, instead of understanding that God loved the world, mm-hmm. and we should too. And the church... God loved the world that he sent his only. Right? Oh, sorry. No, Go no. ahead. Go ahead. The church, right? We don't need no church. I don't need no scrub. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know why I'm all musical today. Bringing the 90s back. Bringing it back when I was, (laughs) when I thought I was cool. Uh, The church, uh, sometimes we can, you know, miss the one body of many parts dialogue that Paul has in 1 Corinthians 12, thinking that just needs, that deals with me and my church and understanding that, no, there is a larger church Mm -hmm. and that it should be concerning to all of us how fractured we are and how just on different pages and. How, like, we're not really unified as the right. body of Christ. Uh, so, yes, those are the first three myths. So we are going to jump right into, then, myth number Cuatro. four. Or for those of you who don't speak Spanish, four. <laughs> so myth number four. You have been highly influenced by Nacho Libre, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great movie. movie. I feel like it's recommended watching for any serious student of the Bible. It is a dramatization of everything that can go wrong in the debate of science versus religion. (laughs) I am very concerned about your salvation. Concerned you have not been baptized. All right. Yes, let's let's proceed with number four. Myth number four is Mm -hmm. you can engineer the uncertainty and discomfort out of vulnerability. One more time. You can engineer mm-hmm. the uncertainty and discomfort out of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm going to tell you a few ways that I messed myself up. 
okay. um, and kind of really getting deep into the into the Christians, into the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, first, I want to go. I want to hang out on a word uncertain. Yes. So, like, nobody really likes feeling uncertain. Yeah. You know, and we we're now society is throwing that word a lot. It's everywhere. Is it? Yeah, during these uncertain times. Oh yeah. I mean, I've used it for one of my one of my programs that I collaborated with, and um, yeah, I mean, we were intentional as far as we are always going to be uncertain. Mm-hmm. But I kind of use a buzzword. Shame on me. Anyway, but <laughs> anyway, we've been saying that it's been said a lot in the news because of the pandemic and the riots and everything that's happened. It is true, though. I mean, it, I guess it presupposes that at one time things were certain, you know, and uh, yeah. I guess, you know, we probably always could say in these uncertain times, yeah. um, you know, we probably use that as a stand-in for mm-hmm. other things that are happening. Yeah. But, you know, like even what happened to, uh, you know, George Floyd mm-hmm. and that tragedy of someone losing their life, mm-hmm. um, it's not like people weren't dying every day. Right. And it's not that that happened mm-hmm. for the first time or in a long time. Yeah, it's been happening all along. Like how we, how are we to say, I didn't know. Yeah, drives me insane. It's true. I should probably be more vocal about that when people tell me that. Yeah. So anyway, uncertainty. Uncertainty. Uh, I'm gonna read a scripture real quick, and then we're gonna I'm gonna talk to you about like how I used to see the yeah. scripture, um, and kind of the evolution. I've gone through with it. So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, this is kind of like a famous scripture, um, at least in our tradition. Mm-hmm. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is the wonderful, like, uh, I know you love this sarcasm. Uh, like with the pretty Instagram pictures of like the sunset and the beach and just someone saying, you just need to have faith. Have faith. Hebrews 11, 1. I don't know who you're mocking, but <laughs> I... Uh, go ahead. That was my inner w- white girl inside of me. <laughs> Her name is Jessica. She's a mess. Uh, for those who don't know us, I am Peruvian. Mm-hmm. Born in Peru. Came to the States when I was 11. And my husband is born and raised Staten Island. Irish background. <laughs> Irish Italian. or Irish, and well, who, Irish Scottish and who, who knows what. <laughs> Sometimes I want to put down other, like, uh, more than three more than three races. I have no idea what I am. But anyway. Anyway, I'm sorry. After channeling your white girl. Yeah. So this myth of certainty, mm-hmm. you know, I think we look at, we can look at certainty as like a faith issue. Mm. And I remember reading that and hearing it preached. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the next line is, this is what the ancients were uh, praised for mm-hmm. right and you kind of take that out and even if you go through the whole you know hebrews 11 you go through the some people have called it the hall of heroes yes like these are the heroes of faith faith the heroes yep. of faith that's what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I, I love that image uh when i first encountered this scripture uh i was like yeah hall of heroes i want to be a hero I pictured like um, for some reason like a cylindrical room, like of marble, and there were like just weapons hanging on, like (laughs) pictures of these heroes of faith, and like I guess not weapons, right? Because they weren't like warriors or anything, but very like Greco-Roman, like ancient mythology, 
heroes, like when you think of heroes, heroes. Yeah. From all my uh, oversaturated childhood of playing video games. <laughs> You know, I definitely would look way too much into video games. Mm. Like it would, and there was no. Wait, you're admitting that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And there was no internet back then to like look things up. They actually had, I think it was called the Nintendo Power Line. Wow. You could actually call a physical Get person out. and like ask. There was like a Nintendo nerd in the other side to help you through. Yeah, they they would have like binders, like. Ah, no. And and sometimes, like I remember, like it really bothered me. About the Legend of Zelda, the okay. original one for the Super NES. I had the gold cartridge. Ooh, I still wish I had it. It was beautiful. Are you pausing this? No, no. <laughs> and uh, I remember it would really bother me because, like, I didn't understand where, where all the other Hyruleans were. What is that? The people oh. who lived in Hyrule. They were like elves. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. He kind of looked like it was like the... Um, I want to say the Asian culture or like Nintendo, they didn't necessarily understand Peter Pan okay. and like different like fairy tales. So they yeah. kind of just mashed everything into like it was a little bit of Middle Earth. It was a little bit of Chronicles of Narnia. It was a little bit of Alice in Wonderland, a little mm-hmm. bit of Peter Pan, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Peter Pan, when you understand it, very disturbing story, but we have no time. <laughs> but you know, I would look way too into things. I, I, I had like this brain that I was just like, I don't understand what all other people are. I don't know. And I remember calling the Nintendo Power Line and being like, "But there's no villages. Where are the people?" You know? And they'd be like, "Dude, we just don't know. Do you have a question about a level or an item you're looking for?" And I'm like, "No. I have the big question of where are all the people that I'm saving? Wait, Why am I doing this?" How old were you? This is. I think I was like 17, 18. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think think when uh, the original NES came out, I think I had to be like probably like around 8 or 10. Is this when you wanted to be the president of the world? I think this was like around the same time. time. Yeah. Yeah. I was just really, I was like, wait a minute. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Why is Ganon so upset? Yeah. That's your critical thinking strength. Yeah, at its best. And oh, I'd be I like, why it. he, why he would put all of these uh, bosses, like his leaders, in different like locations, and why are they always leaving their keys around? And why do I have to find them to open up the doors? It's amazing. You know, why don't they just like destroy the keys? Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway. No, I love it. I just diving into your childhood. You are really been so vulnerable and open with all of us from, I will say, episode one. Maybe. Uh, I know I've heard people say that the podcast allows them to know us better. And um, Interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think this whole discussion came from the way I used to picture the Hall of Heroes. Yes, yes, yes. Which Back isn't in the heroes. Bible, but it's what like we would say, Hall of Heroes, Heroes of the Faith, yada, right. yada, yada. Uh, and, you know, I would look at these people and... You know, without having gone through and like really like putting those stories deeply into me, I would look at them and I'd be like, yeah, those heroes of the faith, they just never doubted. Mm. They were certain. <laughs> of, you know, they were yeah. being, they were sure of what they hoped for and certain of what they did not see. They didn't see it. They didn't mm. see the promises, but they were so like faithful. Mm. And then I'd be like, why am I just not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't get it, you know. And um, I don't know if I've shared it on this podcast before, but Hebrews was like a gateway drug for me into the Old Testament mm-hmm. because it bothered me. Mm-hmm. There were just things in it, especially after you get out of this chapter and you go into 12 and beyond, it just 
the imagery was just something I was not prepared for. You know, ha- even having been raised Catholic, again, we, we studied more about how to be a good person mm-hmm. versus the Bible because it's kind of hard to see it in there as I've, I've come to see, you know, how to be a good person. You kind of need to really study that stuff out a lot, right? And even as the atheist, reading it as just literature, I guess there were just things I missed. And then as a Christian, just going through that, I was like, whoa, wait. And then I went back and I read some of these stories and I was like, <laughs> none of these guys were certain. Mm-hmm. These guys were a mess, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I heard N.T. Wright say something recently that really impacted me. He said, faith does not inspire faith. <laughs> and we need to get away from that. Mm-hmm. You can't just have faith because you want to have faith. Mm-hmm. You can't just hold on to, I want to be faithful. Yes. Right? It's God yes. who inspires faith. Yes. Right? And when I started looking at all these characters, kind of a different picture started to emerge. It wasn't one of certainty. It wasn't one of just like, I'm holding on to the promises of God. I'm holding on to the promise of God. It was people who wrestled mm-hmm. with God. That's the word I was looking yeah. at. Battling. Oh. Wrestling. Yes. Wrestling sounds better for, for you for some well, reason. It's more like one-on-one. Yeah. Battling, I see a battlefield in many people, but wrestling is like right here. Like, it's very like, more intimate. Way more intimate. Like yeah. literally in people's faces. Mm-hmm. Like body contact, absolutely everything. It's wrapped around. Yeah, intimate, like you said. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so when I started reading more about these characters, and even if you actually go through, like, I kind of feel like Hebrews 11.1 is like a mistranslation uh, in some ways. Uh, Even, like, the NIV 1984 versus the NIV uh, 2011, like, changes some things. It kind of, like, talks more about assurance. Mm -hmm. Not certain, assurance. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, like, the Hebrew words that are underneath it talk more about like a foundation or something that you can stand on Mm. versus like I I feel like the way the scripture kind of comes across in that NIV 1984 yeah you know but I I share the scripture in that version because that was the version that for me like that was like the first time my life of really taking scriptures into me Mm. you know and really like making them applicable to my life um, as you were sharing that, I started thinking about how to read the Bible from the Bible Project. And I know I've been like telling, I don't know how many people by now. Um, but I think he does, um, Tim does a really good job when it talks about the characters, uh, in the Bible mm-hmm. and how they are to be a reflection, but not just that but just helping us understand like we can take like this like two or three phrases or even a few chapters and forget about the character's whole life like like david for example a man after god's own heart Mm -hmm. and he's the one who committed adultery and killed somebody like we're talking about the same dude it's the same guy guys (laughs) a man after god's own heart and let's read his whole story and um yeah so anyway so i wanted to just add that and to continue to uh, encourage people to um head over that and i know it's going to be part of our class where you, you're going to use it as a tool um but just to get people started so on uh, and, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes well i'll give it to you to put in the show <laughs> notes of exactly which one i'm talking about i have to catch up on a few show notes so uh 
Sorry about that, guys, if you've been going to our website, like, oh, where are all the tools? But anyway, what I kind of uncovered from this, you know, being inspired by God, not faith, inspiring faith. You know, like, I'm part of the Christian faith. Christians need to have faith. Hmm. That's our defining characteristics. We need to have faith. Um, And, you know, faith is a process of trusting the story. Wait, faith is the process of trusting the story. Yes, so faith is a process of trusting the story, and certainty is played out over time. So I think certainty has a lot of ups and downs, and dips and valleys, and it's not—it's a lot of—it's ugly and it's brutal and it's filled with just suffering and mistakes, you know. And but it's—it's it's certainty. It's, it's something that's played out over time. So you can't engineer the uncertainty out of vulnerability. You're never going to be sure. You're never going to be certain. Sometimes you just need to decide things. Sometimes you need to go out and take a risk. You can't just be like, just have faith and think everything's going to get better, right? Uh, You can't just chalk up bad things happening in your life to like the devil Uh or evil, Uh you know, or the world being against you. Uh And I'm just going to have faith and everything's going to be great. It just doesn't work like that. I think that's a way of dismissing the uncertainty. Uh And just saying, like, I just have faith, Uh you know? But maybe sometimes things are happening because God wants you to do something, you know? Or there's there's things that you've contributed. What's some examples from you personally with this? Um, Just one. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Or a current one. Yeah, I can remember, uh, you know, being in my 20s. Mm-hmm. When I joined this tradition that we're currently in now, uh, and just feeling that like, wow, the Bible is gonna teach me how to live a great life. You know, not that nothing bad would ever happen to me, but I I thought like relationally it was gonna be like great, you know. Um. So I remember thinking like, oh, like you know, like if and when I get married, it's gonna be great. And because mm-hmm. we're, we're building our marriage around God and around the Bible, mm-hmm. that everything is going to work out amazing. You know, like we have people in our lives that care about us, you know, uh, so I was certain about that, you know. And then my first marriage did not end well, you know, obviously it ended in divorce, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was challenging. It was like, but I was so certain, mm-hmm. but we did everything right, you know, but we talked to all the people we were supposed to talk to, we talked about all the things that we, we we tried to live our lives the way I thought God was calling us to live before we got married, you know? And then when that fell apart, it was just very devastating because I was very certain, hmm. you know? And it challenged a lot of things. And really also what challenged me a lot was people just telling me I needed to have a faith hmm. while I was going through that. Is that, what, is that where this quote is coming from? Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, you know, it was just like, wait, what? Like, hmm. faith? God did this to me? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think me and my my ex wife's problems were our own problems. Mm-hmm. We we did this. Mm-hmm. God didn't do this, right. you know. And just learning to accept uncertainty. Like I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what my life is going to be like after this. Yeah, you know, and just being okay with that. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I know a lot of people who are single, they do see marriage as the end goal. Once you're there, you arrive. Right. 
Um, even for marriages now, you know, like being uh, thrown off by, by other things that can happen in a marriage. And so thanks for sharing that. I, yeah. I was not expecting you to go there. So that's the first one. Uh, you can't engineer the uncertainty out of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. The second part of myth number four is you cannot engineer the discomfort out of vulnerability. You can dismiss the uncomfort. Yeah, or you can't engineer it out. You can't mm-hmm. engineer discomfort out of vulnerability. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, what, some of the scriptures that messed me up in this area are um, John 14.1 where it talks about, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in trust in God, trust also in me. And then I would kind of combine that with uh, Jeremiah 17, 19, 17, 9, sorry. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, I would think, you know, okay, the heart is just this thing that I can't trust. I can't trust my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, forget about that I'm lifting it out of context from, from poor old Jeremiah, who we do that to a lot. You know, uh, I just can't trust people. Mm-hmm. I can only trust God, you know. And to me, this kind of began my experience of Christianity's uncomfortable relationship with emotions mm-hmm. and kind of our love affair with logic and reasoning. Mm-hmm. You know, where... As a Christian, I often resembled more of like a Greek Stoic than I did a Christian. Wow. Who's vulnerable mm-hmm. and truthful yeah. about their own emotions and their experience in the world. Yeah. Just let's read through the Psalms and listen to David. Oh, yeah. He's... Just Psalm 139 was like such a great, and then he like flips. <laughs> <laughs> I want to quote that one in oh, the show yeah. notes. The Psalms are great. Psalms are, are something I'm still like. It's on my list to do like a real deep dive into I've been assembling resources and yeah, I mean material. I know Tim Tim Mackey um, encourages people to pray through the Psalms. Yeah, so that's 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 great because I'll I'm, I'll be praying through them while you go into deep research. We'll we'll meet we'll meet there. Well, I'm excited because they have someone on their team. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. Oh yeah. Who that her work is in the Psalms and looking yes. for some type of structure as I understand her work in the Psalms instead of them just being random. Yeah. You know. And um, she I think eventually is going to be doing a class. Mm-hmm. They actually have her on the podcast now cuz she did some Yeah. Did she did some work on yeah. what they're doing right now which is the character of God. Uh, but yeah. I would look at scriptures like 2 Corinthians 10.5, again, I would just pluck this right out and not really know it was before or after it. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Hmm. And I'd be like, that's what I just need to do. You know, hmm. I need to be certain. I need to have faith. So I'm having all these thoughts. I'm having all these doubts. It's my thoughts that are leading to my emotions. So I need to find them. I need to grab them and like make them submit, like submit insecurity Submit depression, submit anger, submit lust, submit all these things, and just try and make it, like, obedient. Mm. And, of course, I failed. Mm -hmm. As we all should, you know, when we just try to 
get the discomfort uh, out of Christianity, yeah. out of vulnerability. Wow. You know, so for me, that was that was a very hard thing. You know, I feel like Christianity is supposed to be full of discomfort mm-hmm. and filled with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, like I, I hear like a lot of people like kind of jump on the YouTube or jump on the <laughs> internet. The YouTube. I said the YouTube. And they're kind of just like, the Bible is clear. The Bible clearly says, mm-hmm. you know, like once we were lost, now we're found. Once we were ignorant, now we have knowledge. You know, and the smugness and the certainty of it. And uh, I feel like it's no wonder that most people have a problem with Christianity. And it's no wonder that as a big group, Christianity is shrinking and people who are not associated with any religion are on the rise. You know? I don't know if you new but it's like everything that you're talking about is about every conversation i've been having with people so i don't know if that's the holy spirit no no it's just stuff that this is where i've been you Uh know like personally and i you know i think i think it's important because i think you know you have to like look at why you think the things that you think yeah and And just re-examine yeah just re-examine and reassess you know i think it's important for us to do all the time yeah yeah I'm still currently um, learning how to minister to my sisters who are younger than me mm. and, and and to really take responsibility about what I'm teaching. Right. And uh, I've actually been in many conversations just in the past three weeks. And all these quotes, all I'm sorry, all the scriptures that you're sharing are the ones that have been shared or where people really hold on to. Mm. And I will say that comparison and um, saying, yeah, you just need faith, just this, just the word just, terrible. <laughs> the ambiguity, um, ambiguity? ambiguity of that word is so confusing. <laughs> it, yeah. um, it's confusing, but like, I. I sort of get it, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I know a lot of times when I have a headache, mm-hmm. I really want Advil. I don't get headaches often, mm-hmm. but you know, we know people that suffer from headaches fairly often. I don't get them very often, but when I do get them, I really want some Advil mm-hmm. and I want it now. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the middle of the pain, mm-hmm. right, you just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. Now you have helped me in this, that I don't have a headache because I just have a headache. There's other issues there. It's Maybe I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's dehydration. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something with what I ate. You know. Maybe I'm upset at something. And I need to work that out. And the Advil is just going to kind of make that go away for a little bit. Yeah. But it's not going to deal with the underlying issue. Mm-hmm. Especially if someone suffers chronically with some type of pain or issue. So I think the instinct is good. I think when people come to you and they're in pain and they're in discomfort, mm-hmm. they're uncertain or they're in discomfort, I think the natural instinct is, I want to take that away from you. But I think, you know, vulnerability and learning how to be vulnerable and how to rumble with vulnerability mm-hmm. as Christians, I think we just need to accept that we, we can't do that. 
you know just telling someone just have faith you know can be very damaging very damaging confusing could be very confusing mm-hmm. yeah especially and the amount of comparison that mm-hmm. you go through it's, it's terrible Co- i don't i don't really take that lightly i'm so up i'm currently learning how to deal with that mm-hmm. because deep inside i feel like trying to help someone and then 10 other people are saying something else right and uh i'm learning how to embrace that tension I, yeah i think it's a good thing for you to embrace because i remember you, you told me and i think this is from uh mark england people don't make mistakes no on this purpose. is from james james wedmore mm-hmm. yes people don't make mistakes knowing they're making mistakes exactly. and yeah. i think when we use scriptures in this way we're not trying to be irresponsible. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to be damaging. Yeah. We, we just someone told us that it mm-hmm. didn't work for us, but we we believe it because it's look it's right there. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I I know the address, I know the scripture and verse, so I'm going to give mm-hmm. that to you, and then we, we kind of like pass on that dysfunction. Yeah. You know, so for me, you know, I think some of the the bad things that happened in my life that kind of broke me on these scriptures ended up being the best thing for me because they allowed me to like expand my view of who god was and what the bible is Uh and uh yeah it's part of this podcast what we're trying to do yeah long conversation long conversation we'll put clara back in here (laughs) (laughs) should we go to myth the next myth yeah okay so i i rearranged the next myths okay are we in number six now we're supposed to be in number five but now we're going to six okay um, so myth number five, which we'll get back to, is trust comes before vulnerability. That's one of the myths. Uh, but first, we're going to do myth number six, which is vulnerability is disclosure. Vulnerability is disclosure. Tell me more. So vulnerability is the same as just telling somebody, some, someone everything. Oh, Being ooh. 100% open, 100% wow. transparent. <laughs> You know, uh, I think in our in our church tradition, it, it's called like being open uh, or being in the light. That's what I did when we, before we got married. <laughs> wow! Yeah, these are all the worst things I've ever done. <laughs> what? All in one sitting, people. Yep. The day before we got married. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so where I kind of got this from is, you know, I kind of like this about our church tradition or the idea of this. Okay. Because I've, I've always been big on honesty and truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say in the American way, but that's just m- m- watching too many G.I. Joe cartoons. Um, but I, I like the idea of a group of people who you could just trust. You know, because I thought that was like the gold standard of everything. Mm-hmm. So in James 5.16, again in NIV 1984, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So is that that was the idea of just like you just needed to confess all everything you've ever done, all of your sins. Mm-hmm. You just need to get it out because if you don't, God can't heal you. Yeah. You know, and that kind of terrified me. So I was like, I need to be open about everything. Yeah. Um, and I was probably open about too much, and you know, people panicked. <laughs> um, also in First John, verses seven to nine. 
It also says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, then the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it was just that idea again of like, okay, like I need to, I need to be open about every. I want to be a child of the light. I want to be in the light. I have to be open about everything, every every negative thought, every negative emotion. If I have a problem with someone, I need to go tell them like right then and there, um, you know, and that kind of thing. To me, uh, this this led to for me being very very open and very very transparent about everything that was going on with me Mm -hmm. Um, but it led me to be like not vulnerable at all because I was just kind of being open just for the sake of being open yeah and I had a misunderstanding of what sin is Mm. right so I'm going to turn to this real quick yeah I'm going to turn to I didn't write the scripture down so I actually have to turn to it in Galatians at the end of Galatians Galatians 5, verses 19. It says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So even when I was coming into our church, this was a scripture that was kind of pulled out. You know, it was called like one of the sin lists. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of like went through Darkness and light. all of those things mm-hmm. and we defined them. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, have you done this? Mm-hmm. You know, because you could be like, uh, idolatry. <laughs> I've never done that. And then they define it. They'd be like, okay, maybe. <laughs> check, 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 right? And, uh, you know, they would kind of always end and Paul was kind of like, and just in case he forgot anything, he wrote that at the end, and the like. Anything like this is a sin. Can you think of anything else like this that he left off the list? You know, and this would be like a moment like where we would all like, if anybody was gathered, they would kind of share everything they've kind of ever done. You so could, about eight people or that were sitting around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it could sometimes be like a really long meeting. You definitely didn't want. I think the brothers were like smarter than uh, the sisters in this or the men who were smarter than the women. Um, to stay away from insider language. What's uh, an insider language? Like, oh, oh, okay. like saying brothers and sisters. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. weren't really brothers, you know, it's just kind of like we call each other. Uh, we would always have like, we would like plan it out so we wouldn't have a lot of people in these meetings. I think the women more like they tried to get as many people there as possible. I had like eight <laughs> women in a huge uh, dining table. Yeah. And this study went up to 3 a.m. and it was like one by one they were all leaving. It's like... 12 o'clock, it was like 5. By 1 o'clock, it was only 3. And it was 3 a.m., one person in front of me, still going over that list. Whoa, that's intense. <sighs> you know, and for me, it's like revisiting the scripture, again, not pulling it out just to study the Bible with somebody mm. or to make a point. I realized something very deep. All of those things are actually not sin. Mm-hmm. They're the fruits of the, the acts of the sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Sin is a nature. 
sin is something that's just off. You know, it the word behind it's translated as sin. I think we need a better word for sin. We need a better definition of sin. Fall short, right? Well, it's used. Uh, it had the word has been used in in like an archery capacity. Did Me- you say archery? Yes, meaning to miss the mark. Beep. <laughs> yeah, and so like Jordan Peterson, who's my new like favorite podcast that I've been listening to, like he talks about how you know sin could also just be not having a plan because if you don't have a plan, uh... you're never gonna hit it. If you you know like. If you don't, if you don't know what the target is, Hi. that that's also kind of like a sin because like you're you're just totally missing the point of doing the deep work beforehand, and just not just doing things haphazardly. Go ahead. Step one: <laughs> steal the underpants. <laughs> Step two: oh. crickets, crickets. Step three: profit. Profit. Wait, I don't get it. What's step two? Uh, I don't know what it is either, but don't you want profit? We get a lot of mileage out of those underpants gnomes. I'm telling you. Wow. I just did a personal goal setting yeah. this morning. Love it. Go yeah. on, sweetheart. So they're not necessarily, like, so sin, I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I think once we have a broader category for what sin is, it's not necessarily something you do. Because you could do the all, you could do all the right things mm-hmm. and still be in sin. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Sin is more of like an attitude of the heart. Yes. Sin is a state of being. Mm -hmm. It's just not being right. And if you go deep into the scriptures, you go all the way back to the fall of man, the fall of humanity, in the first pages of Genesis, sin is shame. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they ate of the forbidden fruit? They covered themselves. They hid themselves from each other mm-hmm. because they were ashamed. Yeah. Because of their nakedness. Yeah. Before they felt no shame. Mm-hmm. But something happened. Something changed the heart that all of a sudden where there was no shame, there was shame. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability is intimately connected with dealing with shame. And um, so for me, I feel like over the years, this has led to buildings full of open people, mm. full of people that will get up in front of a room with a microphone and tell you all of their most terrible things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those open rooms, those open buildings have been some of the most invulnerable places I've ever been. Yeah. Like even trying to talk to people about certain things, some of these super open people who would gladly confess to me horrible things. Well, not horrible, but sometimes horrible. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, awful. Mm-hmm. Confess to me everything. They, the most terrible things they did that week, they'll, they'll just tell me. Mm-hmm. Dealing with actually changing people's hearts has been like talking to a brick wall. Mm. Or trying to move a mountain. Mm. Just, it's not going to happen. You know? Uh Vulnerability is always God's response to sinful humanity. Even like from the beginning. You know, God has been vulnerable with his people. We're going to get to a little bit more, but I just kind of wanted to make the point that being open Mm -hmm. is different than uh, being vulnerable. Yeah. And we need need to honor that. Because I think as Christians, we can feel like I am 
super vulnerable. I've told rooms full of people horrible things I've done. Yeah. I've named them. I've named places, dates, times. Yeah. But our hearts being vulnerable and open to vulnerability is much, much different than just being disclo- disclosing things, being transparent, right? And I think with that, we just need a better definition of sin. I think now when I when I went back and I looked at all of those scriptures I shared before with that new definition of sin, sin is like a wrongness. Mm-hmm. Sin is just like not being okay. Sin is shame. Mm-hmm. It changed the meaning of those scriptures for me. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it went from imagining a group of people sitting around talking about the most horrible things they've ever done versus a, a bunch of people sitting around talking about times they felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. You know, like times they just they just don't feel right. And the comforting and the healing that could have come from those moments if we weren't so focused on, yeah, I cursed out my wife the other day because, uh, you know, she's kind of dumb. <laughs> you know, or like I was impatient. I, I was angry with my kids. You know, like I did this, I did that, I did that. Okay, now I'm good. Versus just like, I'm just scared about what it means to be a father. Mm-hmm. I'm scared about what it means to just be a husband and just to care for somebody. It will be hard if we are looking at the scriptures as a manual or as a to-do list for any Christian to even be open about that. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. The Bible is clear. That means I'm not reading my Bible correctly. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't doesn't really allow for that kind of conversation. Yeah, and it's just like a deeper... And again, this is still like a journey I'm going on. What I found is that, you know, vulnerability is always God's response to sinful humanity. Go back and look it up. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later. And this is always God's expectation for the new humanity. Mm, You can see it in the New Testament when you know where to look. Even in the scriptures I read, if you understand a different definition of sin, sin is not punitive. Mm. Like, you know, I think we kind of float around this when we talk about, well, sin is sin. It doesn't matter if you told a little lie or if you murdered a thousand people. Mm. To God, sin is sin. I don't see it that way. I don't mm. think that's actually I've true. Just yeah, like I've said that too. Literally last week. Yeah, I don't think that's... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I think like what sin, what those acts spring from mm-hmm. is sin. And again, I feel like we need a different word for it. I see. It's what crouches at the door. Yeah. Desiring you. Right, right, right. Right? It's, Entangling you. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's that shame mm-hmm. that Adam and Eve felt. Yeah. That shame that Cain felt. Mm-hmm. Because he he wasn't accepted like Abel was. Yeah. It's the shame of the world mm-hmm. that's just gone its own way. And it's just trying to figure out on its own how to bring everything together again. Mm-hmm. You know? And vulnerability is the heart of God who continually reaches out and trying to bring all that back together. And that's the expectation when you when you really understand scriptures like James 5 and 1 John 1. That's what God wants from us too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us just to talk about like things we've done. Yeah. He wants us to be aware of our state, mm. of where we are, of our shame. Yeah. So myth 
Number five, again, because we reversed six and five. I probably could have numbered on my own. I just felt like, you know, these are Brene Brown's myths. Anyway, myth five Mm -hmm. is, as we said before, trust comes before vulnerability. Right? So... We, I first wanted to cover that being open is different than being vulnerable. Right, or disclosing something yeah. that's different than being Because I didn't, want to, I didn't want people feeling like, but of course I trust you. I've confessed all this stuff to you. Yeah. Like, how could you say, how can you say that we haven't been vulnerable or that my heart's not vulnerable? You know, and I think many of us excel uh, at being open. You know, but we're not really good at being vulnerable. And Brene Brown makes the point in her book that many leaders who excel at vulnerability actually don't disclose much that they're not supposed to disclose. So if you're leading like a company and you're in charge of sensitive information, right? Or even if you're leading a ministry and you know a lot of things about a lot of people, right? Well, what do I, what do I do? You know, how can I be vulnerable if I'm not disclosing all this stuff? And in her research, you know, she talks about, well, she's seen like some of the people who are the best at it. They actually disclose very little. Before we get into it, I want to read a few scriptures that have kind of messed me up in this area. So trust comes before vulnerability. Uh, I used to, you know, say the phrase, you know, you have to really guard your heart. Hmm. Because as it says clearly in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of of life it's like you've tapped my conversations on the phone (laughs) i am serious or i mean i've had conversations walking in backyards and i I know we have a small apartment and and, in kitchen tables and wow yep wow so this is something that we often use in christian dating scenarios Right. Or in marriages where, you know, people feel like uh, you're too close to this coworker or that coworker. You want to watch out for adultery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, people want to say, guard your heart. In context, it's quite different. It's in one of the speeches about wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't really seem it right after it, it does talk about adultery. But, you know, my understanding is that. You know, it's talking about adultery to make a, a point about our hearts in relation to God. And, you know, where wisdom should lie. We shouldn't be going on our own wisdom. You know, we should be going on God's wisdom. And what does that look like? So that's one thing, you know. Throwing pearls to pigs. I don't know if you've heard of, mm-hmm. ever heard that one. Of course I you know, have. Matthew 7, 6. Do not give to dogs I what is sacred. I've been about 10 years or so. <laughs> do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, that's interesting to me because you were in a singles ministering longer than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what would that mean to you? Being in the singles ministry, what what are some of the things you heard? That that scripture in particular was not having sex before marriage. Mm, okay, absolutely. You're throwing away everything, and God's not gonna bless it. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, among sisters and discipling groups, but kind of going on like on guarding your heart, sure, as well. Um, yeah, we often just, combine these, right? Yeah, yeah. We pull these out. So yeah, yeah. It it literally it's what you pick out of your little index cards. 
Yeah, I often uh, heard this and use this to uh, you know deal with. Well, you can't be open with everybody mm. because you can't. Right, right. You yeah. can't trust everybody, mm-hmm. right? So you'd kind of learn. Okay, like depending on where someone's at, we would say like if they're not really doing well, mm. it might not be a good idea to be open with them. You know, if they're very new or they're younger than you in faith, you know, like maybe it's not a good idea. Yeah. Now, how would you feel if I told you? that this scripture is in the middle of Jesus telling people not to judge. Are we like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear the whole scripture? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Right in the middle of his famous Sermon on the Mount, hmm. Matthew 7, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measuring measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs if you do. They may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So the scripture is really about like when we judge other people and we forget who is the ultimate judge. Yes. That's what we're doing. Where it's like we're taking something precious mm-hmm. and we're throwing it away. And you know, the way I've come to read the scripture is that okay, I'm judging you, you're judging me, and you know, we're just hurting each other. Yes. Versus if we let God be the judge between us. You know, like, I think it would be better. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the whole plank in my eye and a speck in your eye. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this was a scripture for me that I often took out of context. Wow. And the last one in this is Jeremiah 17.5. Mm-hmm. This is what the Lord said. Curses, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You know, and so for me, all these scriptures were just kind of like, you, you have to really be careful who you trust. You need to trust God. Mm-hmm. You can't trust people. Mm-hmm. You can't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't trust your emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, trust, you know, trust is like supreme. Yeah. And then I think even in our own, in our own lives and some of the, th- some of the trainings we've done, I think people can misunderstand when we talk about the base of the triangle back yeah. in the path of the pattern. You know, the absence of trust, yes. absence of trust. And people kind of, they get stuck on that, yeah. you know, where it's like, oh, but I, I do trust. I, I've been so open, hmm. you know, and then even when you deconstruct that, it's like, but the scriptures clearly say, I'm not supposed to trust anyone, but my trust needs to be in God. Hmm. So I trust God. Hmm. So my base of my pyramid is good. Thank you very much. Let's get to results. The top of the pyramid. How do we get there? You know? Um, and I think, you know, it, this creates kind of like what I call like an insulated culture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you in the middle and you've built like all these walls around everyone else, everyone in the church, everyone outside the church, and maybe even you, you've built walls around your own heart mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like, I just, I just want to trust God. You know, this often creates an insulated culture where Christians build walls, barriers and fortifications around themselves to separate themselves from others 
both inside the church and outside the church, mm. right? Because we equate trust with vulnerability. They're not the same thing, wow. right? Vulnerability over time creates trust. <laughs> so when there's an absence of trust, that's how we know that there's, there's an invulnerability problem. Yeah. People's hearts are hard, for lack of a better word, term, right? And there, there's a vulner, vulnerability issue that needs to be fixed. Because if the absence of trust is not solved by merely trusting people. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's not the way it works. Yeah. Trust is a byproduct of vulnerability over long periods of time. Yeah. We can take a lesson from Israel's history. Mm-hmm. Right? They were called out by God. They were separated. They were supposed to be his chosen people. Right. And in the ideal situation, they were then supposed to turn around and bless the world. Right. Help God bring, bring, be partners with God and bringing the world back together. The reality is what happened is that they were called out, they were separated as God people, and they thought they were the point, yeah. right? They wanted to be the best. They wanted the blessing. Mm. You know, it's almost like a culture of superiority. Yeah. And God shut that down real quick, mm-hmm. right? And then they ceased to be a nation. Uh, where I have existed is I feel like I've existed from a point of moral superiority. Mm. You know, I've kind of felt like I am a Christian. I have the church. I have the scriptures. You know, you kind of hear echoes of Israel's history. We are the chosen people. We have the Torah. We have God's temple, right? And I'm often caught, I was often caught off guard when I would see people who like morally looked almost identical to me either like not in any church or in other churches and i was like this cannot be there must be something that they're not dealing with you know um you know this i think i've brought this up before in the podcast but one one of our friends kind of pointed out to me that before people would come into our church tradition if they were struggling with different sins it's like masturbation Mm-hmm. Right? They'd be like, well, you're struggling with this because you don't you don't have God. Mm-hmm. You need to come into the church. You need to study the Bible with us and you'll get you'll get victory over this. Yeah. But you take that same person and that same thing, masturbation inside the church, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a different issue. It becomes like a faith issue. Mm-hmm. Right? We just need to help you have more faith. Yeah. You know, we need to help you uh just believe more that this is possible. You need to trust God more. Mm-hmm. You know? Versus like just really like opening ourselves up and making space for vulnerability. Yes. You know, making space really for God. You know, yeah, I think, you know, seeing the church and the unchurched a lot of times mm-hmm. looking identical morally. Like, you know, because I think we all kind of share the same culture wherever you're listening from. You know, in the United States, we kind of have the same culture. A lot of us morally, we kind of look the same. I think like if you had a bunch of us in a room and you, they were, we were all part of different denominations, atheists, agnostics as well, and people who just have no affinity to any, any, and you tried to say, okay, who is who? We're going to give you some sticky notes, put the green sticky notes and all the ones who are Christians without actually asking people, hey, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. There would be no way to know. Mm-hmm. You know, I would actually love to do that in real life, that experiment to see if, but that, that's my suspicion is that there would be no way you could actually know. 
But I do think there is one difference that Christians should have over everyone else, and that's vulnerability. I think fundamentally the only way we can and should be different is through our vulnerability. And that comes by understanding that trust is not vulnerability. Trust is a byproduct of vulnerability. And trust cannot exist in an environment of invulnerability. Mm-hmm. So when we close ourselves off to vulnerability, right? When we buy into those six myths, or we like, you know, we're not comfortable with things like discomfort or uncertainty. Like in her definition of vulnerability, vulnerability is the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. If we're not willing to go there with each other and with everyone else, uh, it's going to be impossible for us to create a culture of vulnerability. I think that's why Christianity initially grew so fast mm. back in the first days. Yeah. I don't think it's because Christians were culturally different, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I don't when, think... You mean like when 3,000 were added in the same day? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, well, that those numbers there are very symbolic. I think there's other stuff going on there. Oh, but e- even just like the Christian rise, yeah. right? The way it, it almost like kind of was responsible for changing the Roman Empire in like just a few generations. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was because people were vulnerable. People were okay with like, you know, being discomfort, comfortable. They were okay with being emotionally open in ways that people just were like what are you doing what are you doing and i think that's a challenge for us today is to walk that path of vulnerability so next week uh we're going to be getting into some ways vulnerability shows up in scripture some ways that God has been vulnerable, Jesus has demonstrated vulnerability, and even Paul did. And then we will go through um, some some ways that we can armor up and keep ourselves from being authentically vulnerable in different situations. <laughs>